Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning the Marvel Universe of film and TV. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. What's going on, guys? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. And Rhiannon. Hey, guys. You can find me as Brooklyn Wallace on Twitter as at Shot of Patron. And if you look for me as Shot of Patron and I'm no longer there, I'm thinking about changing my Twitter handle to at Brooklyn Wallace. But it's one of those things. So if you look for me at one and I'm not there, I'm at the other. And I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers, uh, B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S on that last name. And uh, as always, we like to say at the front of the show, if you like what we do, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on YouTube. You can do that at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, because there are lots and lots of more video content. So we uh, put out some new stuff this week. Rhiannon did a audio review on her uh, Cloak and Dagger review. Adam had uh, a first appearance Friday talking about Cloak and Dagger as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe this happened because we paid money to boost it. Did you guys see uh, the the view numbers on your Cloak and Dagger review, Rhiannon? Yes. I saw that. No. I did. Did we boost it? I didn't boost it. People just liked it. it. Oh. Yes, there we go. People are just into it. Sweet. So um also you have probably heard if you've been around here that we have a another podcast in the Marvel News Desk family called AP Marvel. Uh there is now a zero episode and a episode number one that are online uh for that. The first episode was about uh Winter Soldier and kind of the politics of winter soldier. So if you're interested in kind of deeper dives into those sorts of things, um, that would be a great thing for you to check out. And, um, also we wanted to say, Adam, there's lots of new ways that people can find the podcast, right? I have lost track of all of them. How else can people find it if they're looking for it? Yes. Pretty much any way you want. Um, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Store, in addition to iTunes and the Blueberry directory. Um, and potentially another big one, but we have to wait to hear back on that one. Yeah, so Adam has been doing a lot of good work in uh, trying to get those things available and ready. And so um, if you want to find our podcast those places, also we switched hosting. Hopefully if you're on the RSS feed, that meant nothing to you this week. And uh, we know that we had a little trouble posting it to the website, but I think we'll have that fixed this week. Uh, Obviously, you can't find us on SoundCloud anymore, but you probably have figured that out. Uh, If you used to listen to SoundCloud and you're hearing this, if not, I hope you find us internet somehow. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, we switched over um, and we are enjoying our new hosting service. So that's been good for us. All right. I think that is all the preliminaries. Let's get into the news. We have finally, finally, we have gotten some Avengers 4 um, concept art that looks like it's legit. We have a picture of the team, which is about what you'd expect. Uh, We've had the original six, Captain Marvel, uh, War Machine, Ant-Man, and uh, Rocket and Nebula, I think were the team. Uh, Hulk is wearing a cool, like, space suit or maybe Wakandan suit. I don't know. And then we also saw some promo art that looks like a black and white and grayscale vision, though it seems odd to me that it's a black and white picture. So who knows, but it seems to suggest we're going to get a ghost vision 
uh, like West Coast Avengers. Uh, guys, I'm sure you have seen these things. Are you? Uh, does it help get you pumped up and ready for Avengers Four next summer? Yeah, I, I one of the big things about this is Hulk's outfit. I mean, obviously Hulk looks different. But why has Hulk never gone for spandex before? Seems like Bruce, that would solve the whole showing up naked thing when um when the Hulk goes for spandex. So has that been done in the comics? There is a um there's the most popular theory at the moment is kind of how Hulk takes over, I guess, with Bruce's intellect and stuff and becomes yeah. Professor Hulk. So the Hulk starts dressing up in suits and clothing and stuff more than torn purple shorts, I suppose. So that's kind of the prevailing theory now, especially more so after Ragnarok and not knowing if Hulk's coming out or if Bruce is coming back or something like that. So that that's that's the theory. We'll see. And the black and white vision is interesting because vision was black and white at some point in comics as well. I noticed that right as soon as the color was drained from him. I'm like, oh, gasp. Another comic book thing. Yeah, as far as, I mean, I think like, um, Adam, you can correct me. Uh, Amadeus Cho Hulk does have stretchy pants, right? Like a special fabric that like he created or Mr. Fantastic or something that grows with him and shrinks with him. So he doesn't have to worry about the shredded clothes issue. I feel like that is something that's definitely happened in the comics before where Hulk has gotten a costume. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I've, I think Bruce has some of the same clothing and stuff as well, but I don't know. I don't know the exact details, I suppose, but Amadeus chose Hulk is, kind of like a professor hulk the way it is it keeps his smarts and stuff i suppose whereas bruce's hulk doesn't necessarily always do that he's more kind of like what we saw in ragnarok hulk smash that type stuff all right uh we'll have to let's talk about the comcast deal real quickly uh we got a little bit more news this week um not much there was basically some conversations with people at fox and the reporters are now saying that Rupert Murdoch is not uh, totally set on selling to um, to Disney, that he's willing to take the best offer for uh, the stockholders. And if that means Comcast, then that's okay with him. We talked, I think, a week or two ago that uh, it seemed like Murdoch had a preference for Disney because they would keep him on board as part of the company. And now we're hearing that that's not the case, that he doesn't care. He wants whatever is best for the stockholders. Uh, I'm still cautious because um, the stockholders had a higher financial amount offered to them by Comcast in December. And they thought what was best for them was less money with Disney because of regulatory things. So it's still a long way to go. Um, This week we'll find out about the... AT&T and Time Warner deal that will make a big effect on this potentially. Uh, I think that's Tuesday that we get that deal coming down. So that's the update um, with all of that kind of stuff along those lines. um, More interestingly, probably to our listeners, James Gunn was asked this week about the potentiality of adding any Fox characters into guardians three. 
And his response that it was too late for that, that his script is all pretty done and he's way too far down the road on Guardians 3 to add any characters now. Uh, that's very interesting because Guardians 3 is obviously going to come out later than Avengers 4, potentially um, as much as a year later. Do you think this suggests that we're definitely not going to see any Fox characters in Avengers 4? Or is there some hope they might shoehorn them in uh, with the timetable we've got? I mean, I think from the way it's been explained is that if Marvel gives absolutely any sign, or, you know, if they give absolutely any sign of making plans or have coordinated anything on the assumption of having the Fox characters, it could blow this whole deal. So I think you know, there's never going to be anything formally saying they have those characters or they have plans for those characters until the deal, until the deal is finalized. Now, do I think Gunn maybe wrote some stuff in so they could be added at the last minute or set up a post credit scene or something like that? Definitely. But I, I take him at his word for right now. Yeah. I mean, so I, I can't believe, I can't remember who... Was it Forbes that had a bit on it this week? I read somewhere that seemed pretty reliable, and they said that even though uh, Fox might tell the Comcast, and no matter what the deal is, the Fo- or the Marvel characters would revert to Marvel. Oh, I suppose I would love so to that's... see this article because I have not heard this. Yeah, so. I saw it somewhere. Maybe I'm making it up, or maybe it was just in a comment. But I'm pretty sure it's Forbes or, or something. They had mentioned that, which makes sense, which makes all these articles about the X-Men and Fantastic Four going to Comcast kind of moot, you know, but I'm fairly confident I read that. So I'm on team, hashtag team revert, I suppose. Well, and to be fair, these things that we heard about Murdoch this week, I believe came from Cheddar, which is... A financial channel on YouTube TV. I think I have these details correct. Okay. It's, I don't know why you would, I mean, I guess Cheddar is, um, is a way some people talk about money. I, I mean, people in the 1930s or something like, okay. yeah, isn't that a slang word for yeah. money? Cheddar? Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, you got to make some of that cheddar, you know, or as yay would say, spend that bread. Right. Anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> I really just went into a place where I don't know if I said something terrible or not, but I think I was correct. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, that was the source, which, you know, I don't know. That could be a very, that could be a very prestigious up and coming the next Forbes to be. It seems like their choice of channel name is a little weird, but nonetheless, I, I'm not totally sure that I, I buy that, uh, uh, that take. We'll see. <laughs> I think that I'm very suspicious of any of these stories because breaking Marvel's hearts fans and say, no, it's not coming gets you lots of clicks. And so I kind of would like to see more firm news on this uh, before we worry too much about it. And now we have this episode's title. We're about to break all your hearts. <laughs> yeah. Going on the Mr. Murdoch. Oh. Rupert, please no. So this is more firm news because it came direct from the mouth of Mr. Jeff Loeb himself. It turns out we're getting Iron Fist Season 2 
this year. Um, in related news, uh, Cheo Hidori Coker has said that the Iron Fist in Luke Cage is going to be the best Iron Fist that we've ever seen. Also, Jeff Loeb in his uh, Ask Me Anything said that we're, well, he didn't directly say, but it sounds as if we're getting a, uh, a costume for uh, Iron Fist, like a legit comic costume. Adam, um, speaking of crushing people's dreams, I mean, it sounds pretty exciting. Are you starting to get on board and and happy about Iron Fist 2? I'm happy that it's presumably coming before Daredevil now, question mark? I mean, that was my takeaway from it, right? Well, I mean, I don't think that's the consensus from anything that Loeb said, but... I think that's what's happening. I, I think personally, I still think there's a chance that they shoehorn them both in that we get daredevil earlier in the fall. And then we get like a Christmas time iron fist release. See, I think it's going to be backwards. I think iron fist like September and then a daredevil Christmas. But I mean, Loeb never lets us know these things. And considering in the same Ask Me Anything, he said that fans were happy with everything Marvel Television does. Can we believe him on anything? Well, he also said there's a chance that Black Bolt Medusa will show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, did he, he was really? like, no, boo, no. Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. So anyway, Adam... Back to, I mean, are you are you getting excited about seeing Iron Fist and Luke Cage? You get excited about the uniform, the costume. I mean, like, how is this feeling for your your Iron Fist heart? What was Cheo's exact comments? Were something like he hopes fans' prayers have been answered, which made me think in who the hell's praying about Danny Rand. <laughs> But, I mean, it doesn't take much. A more religious version of you is my guess. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take much to be the best Danny Rand we've seen so far. So, I he's, he was much stronger in Defenders. So, if they play on the, the, the heroes for a higher aspect of it a lot more, yeah. I, uh, I believe him. Um, I heard some people that have seen it and they said it's excellent. So, I'm looking forward to it. As for a costume, I doubt it's going to happen. But I think one of you two decided that he's going to take the idea from Matt still in Jessica's scarf. So that's all I really hope that happens. He gets a yellow scarf and says, hey, I saw a uh, friend do this once. And ties it around his face. Yep. And then realizes he doesn't have radar sense. And... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's got to work around that. He'll probably just, uh, to keep it gritty, he'll just use scissors and cut out eye holes or something. Yeah, yeah. And those scissors will have just been, like, dipped in ink, so he'll get the, like, the black rings around the eyes. It'll work. Yeah, it'll work. I do think that Luke really grounds Danny in a very helpful way. Like, you talked about how he was better in Defenders, and I do like that he'll be better in Luke Cage, because, like, Luke has so much cool about him that like both when he sort of makes fun of Danny, but also when he accepts him, it's almost like we're like, well, I'm not cooler than Luke Cage. So if he's cool with that guy, I've got to be cool with that. You know, like 
I just think that Luke does lots of things to make Danny more likable in the Netflix world that they've built up. I agree. I, I'm I, I'm excited to see more Luke and Danny together. And I actually heard Cheo refer to it as the Power Man and Iron Fist episode. Or no, so I'm sorry, the Heroes for Hire episode. We have also gotten all of the episode titles for Luke Cage. Um, as last time, um, all of them are also the names of songs. And in this case, um, the artist, uh, last time it was Gangstar. And this time, all the song titles are from Pete Rock and CL Smooth, which I know nothing about because I don't know much about hip hop music. Um, the name of the titles, if you're interested, are Soul Brother Number One, Straighten It Out, Wig Out, I Get Physical, All Sold Out, The Basement, On and On, If It Ain't Rough, It Ain't Right, For Pete's Sake, The Main Ingredient, The Creator, Can't Front on Me, They Reminisce Over You. I feel like these never tell us much with Luke Cage because it's, it's kind of cool that they do the song titles, but those song titles are so kind of generic and atmospheric that I don't think they're really plot based moving on in the news. Um, a Legion has officially been renewed for a season three. Um, Rhiannon, are you excited to have another season of Legion? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I mean, they've proven in the second season that they can reproduce that um that they can do it again you know like the thing about legion is that that first season was so very cool and there was that nervousness on if going into a second season they could hit that same pull it all together have a you know still the thing with legion is that it could so badly fall apart and just end up being a mess and they've proven in the second season that they can reproduce it. That, you know, that it's not a random thing. That the first season wasn't a random thing. So bring on more. Adam, as the season's gone on, I know you've kind of dropped off, at least with the, the kind of week-to-week Legion watching. For you, is the show losing some luster? Or is it just like schedule time? There's too much stuff coming out. There's too much stuff. It has yet to, it, it isn't on my schedule. Now all the Arrowverse shows are over. I could probably add it to my schedule. But it's almost over, right? So that's a moot point. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably the most quality, well, it is the most quality TV show Marvel has on right now over Gifted and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Inhumans. Kind of so the TV stuff, not the Netflix stuff, but yeah, um, it's exciting that it's renewed. I mean, this is something they could shoehorn into the MCU, kind of right? Because it, it hasn't tied into the Fox continuity. I'm not sure if that has its own universe name or not. It hasn't really mentioned anything over there, has it? The closest, uh, we did see Professor X's wheelchair once. But yeah, excited. I mean, th- now I just wish Noah Hawley was doing a MCU property, and I have a big old wish list for that. But 
Well, I think that's actually the next thing I have in the news, Adam. Apparently, Noah Hawley has finished the Doctor Doom script, um, but said basically the project is going to be that there's a lot of uncertainty because of the Fox deal, and I think his schedule is not going to allow him to get to it until the Fox deal goes through one way or the other. Um, do you think that Feige and crew should pick up a Doctor Doom movie once they get Fox, assuming they do, or should they kind of allow that character to stick in Fantastic Four? Uh, anything from Noah Hawley. If Noah Hawley wants to do a Doctor Doom, heck yeah. I mean, outside of Thanos, I would say Doctor Doom is probably the one villain that could be introduced on his own in his own solo movie. Um, I'm not sure if you two agree with that at all. But, I mean, if I had to choose a villain to go the solo movie route, Doom would certainly be near the top of the list. So I'm not sure necessarily if he needs to um, be introduced in Fantastic Four. Um, I think probably after two subpar performances so far in live action, they would probably introduce him some other way, the way it is. Should they want to include him in the MCU? I think I Holly would be perfect with a Doom movie. Perfect. I mean, I Holly, I will watch. He's like Drew Goddard. I will watch anything he puts together because he's proven that he can put together some good stuff. Um, though I know some people criticized Goddard because he was involved in Deadpool too. But, um, and Doom. Yeah, it looks interesting. So uh, I, I hope to see whatever. I hope this isn't one of the projects that would die in the merger. Hopefully, it's something that would. If if you know Disney gets Fox, it'll um continue to proceed. I think the thing that's really exciting about Doom is he has a lot of facets they can't ever get to in the movies because they make a crap franchise and it falls apart. But, like, the thing I love about Doom is he has the political stuff as a leader of a country, but then he also has uh, the technology thing, and he also, but he also is a magician, right? Like, he, you know, understands the world of magic. And so the idea of introducing that character, like, to put it very bluntly, like, to have a guy who can coexist with Stephen Strange and Tony Stark and T'Challa all at the same, like all on the same levels. I think this universe is built to bring him in in a really interesting way in a way that maybe deserves more time than just being the villain to a, uh, a movie. And so I would love to see him develop. I mean, I've always said my way to do it in the MCU would be to do a Dr. Strange, Dr. Doom like combo movie where he's maybe he's the villain of, of a strange movie or, you know, maybe more complex than that, kind of like a rival, kind of like a Mordo kind of thing in a Doctor Strange movie and then allow him to develop from there and then come into the Fantastic Four story. So I think that would be interesting and that's how I would do it. I think it's also interesting how Holly's giving us a character in Legion who we don't totally trust as a hero and I think that would set that, that kind of a thing works well with Doom. Of like, is he a good guy or is he not? Do I trust him or not? What are his motivations? I think that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost kind of be 
redundant now with Thanos because it's kind of the same motivations. I mean, Doom wants the best for his people, but at the same time, he's a dictator, you know, so I don't know. He is benevolent, but then he wants power. Complexity. All right, this is a story we're talking about Fantastic Four that was too ridiculous not to talk about. Apparently, there's a fan theory. Have you heard about this? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fantastic Four? I have not. I have not. So the fan theory is that Fitzsimmons are actually um, Reed and Sue Richards. That they're headed out into space and that they're going to come back and Fitz is going to become uh, Mr. Fantastic and um, she's going to become uh, the Invisible Woman. And what's really crazy is they asked Jeff Loeb about this and uh, the question was, am I? he gave this like theory and said, am I crazy or are you guys producing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be an epic prologue to something more? Can you elaborate or hint towards the future of what's going to happen in season six? Jeff Loeb's answer was, you're not crazy, but that's all I can say. Um, we can definitively say they're crazy, right? There's no way the Fantastic oh, yeah, Four sure. or Fitzsimmons, right? No, that's, that's, that's gotta be fanfic. I mean, that has fanfic written all over it. But it would be, it, it would be a great way to do it. I mean... Because, and this is where, like, I'm not entirely, you know, the Fantastic Four, I'm not entirely up there, but Reed and Sue Richards are scientists, right? Yeah. I mean, and Fitzsimmons, I don't know, I can see it. I can see it. And it would be a great way, I mean, to just sort of tie it all in and make it happen. The part that, the only part that I think is roughly sensible is what they've done with Fitz lately with um, like evil Fitz and like him, like just doing whatever it takes. Reed does have that element to him, particularly in like the ultimate version is right. Like that Richards becomes such a pragmatist that he's willing to go to deplorable, deplorable places. And when people like call him out for it, he's like, I just did what had to be done. Like chill out. You're being irrational. And Sue's like, that's because they're human beings, dear. Stop being such a robot. And he's like, well, whatever. Like, I enjoy that dynamic with them. And I think Fitz and Simmons have the, like, pragmatist and emotional development thing that I think they have. But there's just no way in the world this is happening. Maybe they're setting up Fitz and Simmons to someday become some other characters in the MCU. And, like, I don't even know who that is or what that looks like. But I could see maybe that, but I there's no way in the world that they're the Fantastic Four. You know, like, if Deke becomes the Human Torch, I'm done with <laughs> oh, the MCU. Yes. It's all over. I'm on, well, nope, I'm on board with that. Actually, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be that. Deke would be, um, would basically be, uh, oh, Franklin, Richard. Not Franklin. Who's the kid? It's Franklin, isn't it? I don't know. Richard I always get Franklin. the grandpa mixed up. No, I'm pretty sure it's Franklin. Okay, then who's uh oh Nathaniel is is Reed's dad. Okay, so yeah, there's talk that maybe Deke is Franklin Richards. He is not Franklin Richards. Franklin Richards is like the most powerful being in the universe. It's not freaking Deke with his Zima. Like, 
if they yes. do this, I'm done. This is where the MCU jumps the shark. I am not in for this. No way. How glorious would that be? Where we keep each pod, we talk about the Fox deal, and in this Fox deal, the Fantastic Four is arguably the biggest part, and they buy it, and then they relegate it to TV. That would be so glorious. Well, <laughs> technically, do they already own the TV rights to the Fantastic Four? The Fox deal only includes the movie rights, right? Well, it's weird. Like I would say X-Men. probably live action. Yeah, how do the rights wear it? It's got to be just plain old live action. I don't know how it works. I know. Well, first of all, I know the animated Marvel can do what they want with and on TV, but when it comes to like the gifted, like it's almost like Marvel has to give the X shows first, like, like Fox has to get a first go with them, but like, it's different. Whereas like Marvel studios has nothing to do with the movies on the X-Men side. All the X-Men shows on TV are produced by Loeb and Marvel TV. So, I don't totally understand that. That would be a really a wicked backdoor if they were like, "Listen, if we don't get the film rights, we're just we're just gonna bring them to TV because we have those rights and there's nothing you can do about it." You know. All right. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about on the news: uh, Kevin Feige recently did, uh, I think, just the last day or two, uh, was talked to about. Uh, he went to a producers guild uh, event, I believe. Was asked lots of questions. He said lots of vague things that are exactly like all the vague things that he always says. Uh, he was asked about Miss Marvel, and he said that Captain Marvel would be the kind of person that a young Muslim girl might look up to, which doesn't say anything about the timetable for Miss Marvel. Um, he was asked about the Fox deal. He basically said he's waiting around to get the call that that's for real before he can do anything with it. But he also said that he is hoping that there are a lot more female directors for Phase 4. Um, I think that's cool. That's exciting. I mean, more female directors is great. Um, it is interesting to me that Marvel was all, you know, white men directors for 13, 14 movies. And now it's like the floodgates have switched. I can't tell if that's because Kevin's changed his mind or because Disney is becoming more open or if, I don't know. It's interesting to me why that change has happened, but all right, let's uh, let's talk about trailers. So uh, there was a very exciting trailer that's a little outside of what we've talked about before, but I think we definitely want to cover it. Um, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated Miles Morales movie. Uh, we had gotten a teaser before that looked gorgeous, and then we got this trailer, and it was it continued to be gorgeous and have a different visual style and then some major shocks about how deep they're going into the Spider-Verse. Um, did you guys watch the trailer and what did you think? It is the most unique style of animation I think I've ever seen. It's beautiful. And I hope in the movie they... It's, it's like a... You know how in Harry Potter the pictures move and stuff? It's kind of like that, but with comic books. Because, like, the the car that was zooming and slammed on its brake, like, out of the tires came, like, a the screech sound effect font. So, if that's in the movie, I'm sold. That Just, like, details like that. It looks beautiful. 
I also like there's a scene where he's walking down the street. There's like narration bubbles like yeah over the people's heads as he walks by or whatever. I thought that was really cool, but not in a cheesy way. Like it's really a unique visual style. I feel like they're developing, which is really awesome. You know, I haven't watched much of the animated stuff, but um, it all looked. I mean, the story definitely. I, I'm excited about the Spider Verse. I'm currently reading some of the spider gwen in that universe um and so i'm excited to see where they take it well definitely i mean that's obviously the big surprise of the trailer we knew we were getting miles um i don't think i knew we were getting peter parker for sure i think i kind of assumed that we were going to get some peter but to get the two of them and at the end for gwen stacy just to show up i mean now i'm like are we going to get Ben Riley? Are we going to get some Scarlet Spider in here? You know, like Spider Ham? Like, how far are we going? And I love that, particularly for Sony, okay? Because we slam Sony all the time for like, oh, let's keep it, you know, grounded. We don't want to go too far. The idea, and they also definitely talked about a multiverse where like Miles talks to the camera and is like, your universe, there's one Spider-Man, but in my universe, like... I just, it's so, I mean, Adam, it's just, they're totally hitting us with all these comic fan, like, nerdo things that I feel like is really going to pump people up. Absolutely. And we're finally getting to that point. We're finally getting to where people are making movies and TV shows and stuff. They're like, let's just, let's do the crazy stuff that made comics great with the, the strange visuals from Steve Ditko. And we've talked about, like, soul world and all that stuff so it's good that they're translating it to the big screen so this movie's being released theatrically right yeah this is a full-fledged go to your movie theater popcorn i don't i think i know it's being done 3d but i think probably imax i'm not sure i mean that would be great i think to do it that way so it would be super great. And we've talked about the whole animated stuff. And as I understand it, we'll probably talk about it further. But yeah, this... Hopefully it translates well. I mean, both the teaser and the teaser tra- or the trailer they released were great. So I am excited. And I'm not even a Spider-Man fan. Look at that. Rhiannon, let me ask you this. Um, do you think they should worry about brand confusion at all? Like... Is doing a Spider-Verse movie with a Miles Morales Spider-Man and an old Peter Parker. And then, but people are like, but wait, didn't he die in Infinity War? And then we're going to see him again in May. And then we're going to have Homecoming. Like, do you think people can handle all these different Spider-Man versions on the big screen? Or is this a danger for the casual fan? I think animated, you know, most of the casual fans won't even notice that. You know, won't think twice about the worlds being connected. Um, so to me, the fact that it's animated totally gives them a break to just do something completely different. So in the fact that it's animated and it's a completely different universe. Um, and, and they focused on that in this trailer. You know, it is a completely different universe. To me, I think that, I, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of people that aren't that bright, but it should help people understand. Yeah, I also think that because it's animated, um, there will be some people that will think it's a kid's movie and just ignore it, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I think right. there'll be some casual people that just won't see it because they're like, oh, that's for kids. And I don't watch kids movies. So, yeah, I mean, I think the odds of people seeing this and being confused about the live action movies are, I mean, just as you know, right around the same point of people that read the comics and wonder why the comics and the movies are different. Um, you know, some folks will be confused, but some people get confused, you know, just trying to go about their everyday lives. So it, um, <laughs> I mean, not just some people humanity. are really stupid. <laughs> 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 some people are very easily confused um so you know i wouldn't say that it won't confuse anybody but because as soon as i say that there'll be somebody on twitter that's like but i want to know if they're related um so but i mean you know most people shouldn't and it can't be anything worse. Like Star Wars, the way they have jumped back and forth through time, it's like, oh, we'll do one trilogy, then we'll do a prequel trilogy, then we'll do a trilogy after, and then we'll do like random solo movies that are like in between the, the third and the fourth one. And like, if that has not killed those guys, I'm sure this will be fine. I think it'll help too that Peter here will be a very old Peter. Like, we get the sense that he's like middle aged Peter Parker. Uh, whereas we're getting like high school Peter Parker in the movies. So I think that's, uh, it's interesting to see a couple different versions after we got 25 year old Peter forever. It's kind of cool to finally see them going both ways in the story. So to bring up a quick sidebar, you said the whole star Wars, not killing Lucas. I mean, solo kind of killed them a little bit, right? Uh, I don't know if I'd use the word killed, but yeah, it was, a. Uh... It was it was not good. Uh, hopefully, it will help them course correct. Um, I think the thing that they still haven't gotten over with Star Wars is just a genre thing. This is why the MCU works is because every movie's different. Whereas the problem with Star Wars is they all feel like sci-fi movies because they're all in space, and I think that's a problem. So, all right, the other thing I wanted to talk about in the trailer section it's not really totally a trailer. But we did get a video clip of the Daughters of the Dragon in Luke Cage, where we had Misty and Colleen in a bar fight. Um, I don't know. That made me super excited. Like, that's the most excited I've been for Netflix since I finished watching Defenders. Like, I don't know. Did that, guy, did that give you a little jolt of, like, hype again to see those two and kind of what what they're doing with those characters is there not a daughters of the dragon series greenlit yet there needs to be there should did we know colleen was going to be in luke cage because i don't ever recall hearing that then they just dropped this thing i'm like wait i don't ever remember seeing it confirmed or hearing that it was confirmed or anything you know I mean, how about that? Like, are they just saying if we say Danny's going to be in it, we assume Colleen's in it because they're a couple or something? But that's a diversion. I don't care if Luke and Danny are in it after seeing that clip. I just want Misty and Colleen. I mean, my thing with it was it makes me kind of mad about Jessica Jones being so separate. Like, clearly Luke Cage and Iron Fist are going to be in each other's shows and this universe is going to stay melded. So why there's no cameos at all in Jessica Jones is infuriating. Particularly, like like we said at the time, there's that stupid line of dialogue like, 
Jessica, you have to fight your mom because nobody else could handle her. It's like, well, except for Luke Cage, who both of you know, you know, like it, it seems like there's half of the Netflix universe that's like actually combined and another half that's just going to go on their own merry way. And I find that really frustrating. I, I'm right there with you. I mean, and the only explanation for it for Jessica Jones. I mean, I don't know if we go through Daredevil season three or Iron Fist season two and we don't get these connections then that'll be irritating. But, I mean, maybe it's just simply Jessica Jones took so long and Melissa Rosenberg had it all planned out before she... um, before she was even privy to, you know, what exactly was going to happen. Now, I know they had, like, the outline for what was going to happen in The Defenders very early and provided to the writing staff of these shows. But... I mean, not enough that they could, I mean, maybe she just couldn't plan on any of it. And the production for Jessica Jones had to be so far ahead. Maybe we can make excuses for Melissa Rosenberg not doing it. Um, Maybe she just didn't want to. And that's still frustrating. Well, so I think you're hitting at something, though. I get the sense that Melissa Rosenberg really wants to make a particular kind of show. And the fact that it's a Marvel show is kind of, I want to say almost like ancillary, like it's just not that big of a deal. Whereas I feel like some of these other showrunners are like, no, I'm making a Marvel, you know, like, like Cheo seems to love Luke enough as a character. Like you can't do Luke Cage without some reference to Danny because of like the way those characters have always been intertwined in the comics. And you almost feel like you can see the showrunners love of the source material based on like how serious they are about crossovers. Maybe that's not fair, but it kind of feels that way to me a bit. Yeah. Are we also going to talk about that action figure that they set? Did you guys see that? Oh yeah. It's, um, uh, it's Claire with the claws, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Claire with the bear claws. And then, uh, yeah. I mean, with Rosario Dawson's comments that she doesn't know if she'll be back. And then Claire with the bear claws. She's going to go down swinging. Is that what you're saying? I mean... Rhiannon confirms as she has... She's already told us that Karen Page is going to die. Now Claire Temple is going to die as well. (laughs) It is time for Love Interest to kick the bucket on uh, on Netflix. I, I, I had to retract the Karen Page thing because I saw Deborah Ann Wall on set like a couple weeks later. Oh. So either it's her, you know, it, it could be a flashback or whatever. But um, and also Rosario Dawson posted this week that she was on a plane to New York. So. So, I mean, she could have just been like doing anything else being filmed in New York. Yeah. <laughs> New York's a pretty big place. There's a variety of things she could have been doing there. <laughs> but I say clear and Punisher confirmed. The other thing I loved in that, that Misty clip that I want to talk about real quick, that I felt so that part where she goes to throw her right arm, like a punch. And then she realizes she doesn't have it. I was like, Oh man, that sucks. Also, why is it taking so long to get this arm? Come on, Danny, you're a billionaire, you know? Like, let's let's get the fake arm on there fast. I'm starting to worry like one of our right uh readers uh listeners said a while back that 
it's going to take like, you know, all season long to get Misty that stinking bionic arm, you know? But to me, that's more realistic and that'll give it more value. I mean, when I, I mean, when we look at Coulson and I mean, I guess Winter Soldier, or th- there's not a whole lot of cases where we actually had to see a long-term impact of the loss of an arm. And we've had a lot of arm losses in this universe. Well, I guess Yo-Yo, we got some good, you know, a little bit of angst time. So, you know, it's grounded, man. She has to suffer the loss a little bit and, and go through the process. I guess. But yeah, we're totally not seeing that arm until the last episode. Because <laughs> Netflix is all about 13 episodes, sometimes 26 episode teases, you know, like we've gotten so close to Misty losing the arm. It took a while for that to happen. We're finally getting Hellcat after 26 episodes of teasing Trish to become that. All right. Um, let's go on to our reviews. And this week we can talk about Cloak and Dagger. So... Let's try to, uh, we have to be smart. We have to remember, uh, it's the first two episodes. So it's the pilot, obviously. And then it's the episode where her and the boyfriend, um, rip off the wedding. So, um, what do you guys, uh, let's put this, we talked a lot about the show a while back. What can you say about Cloak and Dagger now that we are into review territory that you could not say several weeks ago? Like, what what what's interesting to you about the show now that you can be a little more honest about it or forthright about what's going on? Adam, I think you had something last time that you're like, I can't say that, but maybe you still can't say that. I don't know. I don't... Th- something I like? I, I don't know. He said, no, it was something recall. you didn't like. And you're like, oh, I can't talk about oh, that. Okay, yet. I still can't talk about that. Still can't yeah, talk I about still it? Can't. <laughs> still can't. Still can't. Yeah. All right, so what did you guys think about episodes <laughs> one and two then? <laughs> I really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed them. Like like we previously said, it just totally blew my expectations. Um, and as Rhiannon said, she doesn't trust my expectations. Because I would rate Iron Fist 10 out of 10, two thumbs up, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, and that's the other thing. I, I don't really know. Um, I, I'm not a huge Cloak and Dagger fan. Uh, I've kind of skinned the comics. Um, but from every Cloak and Dagger, there's apparently Cloak and Dagger stands already. Um, and according to them, it's actually a spot-on characterization of the two, I guess. So, are we going in depth to the episodes? Yeah, yeah, yet, we or? can do episodes one and two, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Go ahead. So, I mean, my biggest like, and you guys still don't like, it's the music. I, I love the music. I don't think it's too overpowering. I don't think it's really modern age screwed and chopped covers of house of the rising sun or the bgs or, or whatever i agree that it's better doing. than inhumans yes but i don't think it was too distracting i i mean it's more prevalent than any other show i guess i mean inhumans was distracting because you're like Ugh. but now you're kind of i mean i 
it is a little distracting. It's noticeable. I wouldn't say it's distracting, but it is much more noticeable. And pr- I just feel like, and I felt this way about Runaways. I feel like they use music to be like, hey, look how young we are. This show's really young. Like, we're here for you, young people. Like, I think that's how I feel about the music. But That's because you're a grumpy old man. <laughs> I found it a little bit refreshing. After, like, every single show set in New Orleans uses, uh, you know, Kermit Ruffin's Preservation Jazz Hall, like, background music to have one that's just kind of like, yeah, we're set in New Orleans, but, you know, these are still kids. They still listen to everyday music. There's been no House of the Rising Sun yet, right? There is a house in New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Um, Yeah, or I'm trying to think, what's the other one? There's, like, a few that, like, every show set in New Orleans does these just like same little hey remember we're in new orleans hey remember we're in new orleans and they just they didn't do that with the music in this the one question i have so what's like the screen actor guild's payment for appearances like if someone has no lines but they appear quite a bit do they still get paid because like what's going on with this detective oh (laughs) that was my first thought when i saw her (laughs) like they did this i was like they pay her less if she doesn't say any words. Yeah, she didn't talk at all, did she? That was really kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, she interrogated those two kids by staring at them <laughs> and showing them a picture on the phone. <laughs> oh, like, man. Okay. It's like they were trying to save money, huh? Yeah. So, I, But I thought that was an interesting creative choice. I mean... Some sort of thought went into that. That was more than just we won't have to pay this actress as much. True. Uh, sure, we can think that. That's headcanon. <laughs> but who knows? They're like, oh no, we're over budget. Take away our life. So the thing that I really liked was um, we I talked about a little bit when we did the kind of look ahead a couple weeks ago, but I didn't want to get too much into it. Um, the way that they have these visions, like these surrealistic. And I was so dumb, I didn't know the characters well enough to realize, I think this is kind of part of the comics, too. But he sees their nightmares, and she sees their hopes? Does that, like, that didn't dawn on me until somebody said it. And I was like, yeah, they both have these visions, but his are so, like, negative and scary, and hers, at least early on, like, hers are, like, these dreams and hopes and she sees like the boyfriend like seeing them getting married someday but the way they did those visions i thought was really cool and it really adds something like these characters and it's it's gonna continue i won't talk more about how it continues but like where they like disappear and go into these like dreamscape weird like illusionary places but those visions still have some kind of impact on the real world like I find that whole surrealistic thing really unique and fascinating and exciting about the show. Like, I'm so glad. I think that's a smart decision they've made to do something unusual with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really trippy yet grounded somehow all at once. So who's... I can't... Yeah, I mean, who's the bad guy? I mean, there's no clear bad guy yet, right? It's the... No. I mean, you have... The world. You ha- the world. It's Tyrone and Dandy yeah. versus the world. 
It is. I mean, you have that, uh, the cop that looks like, I swore, I would have bet money that was Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Doesn't that guy look like Kevin Bacon? I didn't think that thought, so I'm guessing it didn't really look like Kevin Bacon to me, oh, but okay. okay. I didn't have that thought either. Okay. Kevin Bacon wasn't available. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is, it is very much like, no, there's not a bad guy yet. I mean, I think eventually Roxon and a lot of it is they're getting into, it's kind of like Peter Parker and getting mad at the guy who shot Uncle Ben, right? Like, I think she's going to want to go after Roxon, and I think he's going to want to go after the cop that shot his brother. And dealing with that is going to be kind of the A plot for the beginning of the season. And they'll, I'm, I'm sure a villain will, will rise in the B part, but. That's kind of how it's shaping early on, at least those first two episodes. Okay, so, so far we have Roxxon. And then if they still stay comic accurate with Ty, that dark stuff is the Dark Force dimension. So between Roxxon and the Dark Force dimension, I mean, there's got it. Is there going to be a crossover with Agent Carter? <laughs> I mean, that's all season two was, right? Was Roxxon and the yeah. Dark Force stuff? But the Dark Force there was more of a Gravitonium type thing and not the Wisp. I was told there was going to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Doctor Strange, Agent Carter crossovers. And maybe they happened? I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like Jeff Loeb <laughs> talked a big game on that and then it didn't really develop well. <laughs> um, let me ask this. Those first two episodes, we actually don't see the two of them together hardly at all. And certainly not enough to have a romantic connection. Um, does it seem odd to you, given the cloak? I mean, you talked about people saying it's, it's faithful to comics. A romance between the two of them is at the center. And at least when we start, neither of them hardly knows each other. And even if they do, there's like this weird back story from when they were kids. Is it odd to you that there's not as much romance? And particularly people were talking about it as like Romeo and Juliet, but Marvel. Like, does it seem odd that there's not a little more uh, romance between the two characters so far? I think I would hope it gets there, you know, because still what we've seen so far, they've only um, reconnected for just a few minutes, if that, right? Like, it's only been in the span of two days or something. Um, so I would hope it's going that way. I mean, I, I assume... You know, like, I don't really care if it goes into a romantic relationship. They're obviously building up that when they, when they finally, I mean, because this, they're, I, I'm just rooting for them to like each other. I mean, and, and, and. Or talk to each else. other. I mean, right? Talk like, they haven't other, been in the same so. room except for, like, that cemetery scene. Right? Yeah, that's one of my, I mean, I hate when I'm watching a show and like one person has a question and the other person has the answer. And I mean, I think that is like the definition of dramatic irony or irony, maybe not dramatic irony, but anyways, you know, and, and you just need the two of them to talk together. And I'm just like, all right, you two, you know, you're both going through the same thing. You need to go talk about it. Um, so that's where I am with this series. Maybe it's dramatic irony. It's also been called sticky note plot, where it's not good if your plot can be solved by a single sticky note. 
But on this, I mean, I don't feel, you know, like neither of them has the answer for the other person. It's just that you know they're going through similar things. And, you know, we were given the backstory and, you know, we know they went through this thing as kids. So, like, I don't feel like they could explain it on a sticky note. So I'm not frustrated with the series. Um, but I feel like it'll start moving when the two of them, if and when the two of them ever talk. All right. Any more thoughts on it or uh, are we good till next week? It's doing super well on Rotten Tomatoes. It was, it did open at a hundred percent, but now it's like 80 something, 86. All right. Uh, let's move on to Legion. Uh, you know, there's not too much. <laughs> We've always said we can't do this very well. Uh, Rhiannon, are you are you up to date with Legion? Oh, with Legion? Uh, yeah, I think I am. Yes. Okay. So uh, let me just ask this: Do you trust David, or are you like, where are you in your feelings about David as his trustworthiness as a character? I I feel like I couldn't trust anybody at this point. Um. Do I trust David? I don't know. I don't know if I would trust David at this point. I think I would want to stay on his good side, so I would at least um, try to convince myself that that was the truth. I mean, because he can read your mind if you're just lying to him. So, I mean... At this point, I really want there to be something wrong with him, or like some bit of evil with him. Because if they get to the end and it's all like, oh, Shadow King was just messing with you. David's really a super great, nice guy. And there's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see. Like, it's just going to feel like kind of like, I don't know, like kind of false narrative tension and like a hope gotcha. Like, yeah, I think they're being unfair to like, for example, if Sid really starts to doubt David and it turns out he's totally good. It makes her just look like an idiot, right? Like. Oh, you got fooled by the Shadow King. You know, like, I really kind of want something to be wrong with David. Because otherwise, I just feel like they're jerking me around, you know? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, well, or not even. Or I want him to truly be evil. You know, or, or truly convert to being evil. Or something. I mean, I don't trust Melanie. I don't trust, you know, the narrative that they formed, that Melanie formed to show Sid, was very... Uh, you know, edited about like an episode of The Daily Show, you know, to show you a particular narrative. It, um, and we know Melanie's under the Shadow King, you know, or, or under the, the influence of the Shadow King. Um, so that's why, I mean, I trust Sid. Sid doesn't seem to be infected by anything, but I understand her conflict and, um, you know, and I feel like David might truly be becoming evil. Like, I don't think he's always been evil, but I think he's being pushed to a place where we're going to have doubts about him being a good guy. Yeah, we've talked about, like, visuals that we enjoyed or something we liked about the episode. The beginning shot where they showed him with the comic book, like, hair, like, sticking straight up. Yeah. Like after two two seasons of this show and he's looked kind of normal to do something that was that explicitly like comic 
you know, like focused, I was like, okay, that's really cool. And it kind of like, it does make me wonder if they're almost going to do like a century void kind of thing where David's going to just straight up have two personalities in his head. And one of them is like evil David and one's good David. And they're just going to have to live with what happens when evil David pops out, you know? And that scene in the very beginning, that's straight from one of the comics. Um, the red and black vest and sitting in a throne and holding the, in the comic, I think it's a ball of fire. Like somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter share. So like that is a pure comic panel. All right. Well, I'm excited. I, I am hoping. So last year it was only eight episodes. I do feel like it's a little better, a little shorter, but it was like episode six or seven. It was kind of like this big exposition drop. But it kind of like solved like some of the mysteries and what's going on. I'm a little leery that they've put out too many mysteries this year. And there's just going to be like that the finale is going to be over. And we'll be like, but wait a minute. What about this? And what about this? And what happened here? You know, like I do like that the first season, they kind of fit things together and put them back together. I'm not excited if they just throw out random things and then they write them off as well. That was a random thing. So. I'm hoping for a little conclusion to come out of some of this. So uh, we're going to get jump into our main conversation. And what we wanted to talk about this week is the return of Marvel one shots. So this was something that just kind of came up in our Slack chat one day. Um, there has been hints left many times, even by Kevin Feige, that they're going to bring back uh, the Marvel one shot. Uh, if you're not familiar, one shots were kind of short films Sometimes just three or four minutes long. I think the longest one is maybe 18 minutes, something like that. And they were a big part of the DVD releases. And then people stopped buying DVDs and it feels like they stopped making them. Um, Adam, what, what do you think? Do you think that um, it's time for us to uh, return to the, the Marvel one shot? Would you like to see one shots make a return? Absolutely. I mean, selfishly, I want to see, I want to consume all the MCU content I can. One-shots, animation, even even the tie-in comics. You know, they actually, at one point, had tie-in comics that added some stuff into canon. You know, recently, they've turned in the quote-unquote tie-in comics just as like a, a retelling of the, the first comic, which... I mean, there were there was something ahead of Infinity War. I think it kind of hinted off about Red Skull in the Infinity War prequel comic. But, I mean, the Guardians 2 tie-in comics were uh, Guardians 1 in comic book form. So, I mean, the... the... I bought one of the Infinity War tie-ins, and I want my <laughs> money back. So. Yeah, so th they used to mean something, but now I would guess Studios was not liking it. I don't know. Who knows? But selfishly, yeah, I want the most content I can. And one-shots are probably the best way to consume that content, I would guess. Um, for us, at least. We don't have to go out and buy the comic books. It's just on... They don't even have to... They don't even have to do it on DVDs. They could... I mean, animated movies always have, like, a opening video of sorts, right? I haven't been to an animated movie in theaters in years. Yes, they have recently moved. Disney always Disney and Pixar have shorts before the main movie. But that's also because the movies are often only 80-minute runtimes. And so. not three hours. Gotcha. 
But even I mean, like, even a, a five-minute movie. I mean, on average, what they're about five minutes, right? If that, I mean, that's nothing. I never missed them or anything, but I every little bit of content and covering all that little smaller stuff, I I, I would enjoy that. I like adding depth to the universe, so yes. So Adam talked a little bit about that delivery. You know, how do you deliver it? I think one idea is to do just shorts before the movies, which I think the danger is that it'd be confusing. Like imagine strolling into Ant-Man and the Wasp and it started with a Korg and Meek one shot, like as awesome as a Korg and Meek one shot would be, how confused would the audience be to watch six minutes of Korg and Meek and then be like, and now to your main feature. You're like, what, what's going on? What's happening? Um, How else could they do this? Like, what do you think is a realistic way for, you know, like a a way to do the one shots? Well, they are available. So like leading up to Infinity War, I bought Avengers through Amazon and the digital download or, you know, the digital version of it. And it came with the one shots. So you could download them digitally when you digitally purchased the movie. Um, so they could keep doing it that way so that they get some money for them and you're, you know, you have a added incentive to buy the digital version. In the live chat, uh, Michael T. Ford, I think, gave an obvious answer is to put it on streaming, right? Particularly the Disney streaming service. Imagine if you promise people two or three one shots a year on Disney streaming, you wouldn't even have to announce them. Just like one Friday night, you get a tweet and it's like, hey, there's a new Korg and Meek one shot. And you're like, what? You know, and you'd rush over to your mouse yeah. flicks. Uh, I think streaming is an obvious smart place that they could potentially do those. I think it would be cool. I mean, do you think they could do it just as like a YouTube thing? Like, could they make them like just free content or would they be too expensive to produce without getting some kind of money back? I mean, they definitely did it with that. And, and who knows? It's not really in the continuity. Um, the little Thor one shot, you know, where he was during civil war. Um, you know, it all depends on what their purpose is. You know, if they're trying to build interest in a certain something or other, it could be part of their marketing. Um, I guess Marvel technically could make money on a YouTube video. I definitely prefer that. Give me the free and easy way to see it. What do you think, Adam? What what would be the best way to kind of publish these if, if you're in charge of these things? I really like the streaming idea. That makes more sense even more so even attached to movies. Now I'm going to be disappointed when it doesn't happen. It kind of reminds me, um, this may be a weird comparison, but when you go to like a really fine dining restaurant, and particularly like you do a tasting menu, a lot of times they'll bring these like little amazbouche or like these like little like tiny courses that aren't actually a course that is on the menu and they make it feel like it's compliments of the show. I mean, the reality is you're paying for it with the exorbitant amount of money that you're paying for your meal, but still it's like these little bonus courses that come in between the main courses of the meal. And to me, it's totally like that for streaming. People be like, Whoa, I didn't even know this was coming. And like, you know, this is not why I'm subscribed here, but this is just a freebie. And it's not a freebie because, the, you know, money would go towards it. But to me, that streaming idea really does work, particularly for uh, something like Mouse Flicks, where, you know, it's a Disney branded thing. It's a great way to advertise their product. What's been your favorite one shot so far? Like, is there one that particularly sticks out to you as a favorite that you've watched 
over the years? I don't even know that I've seen them all because I don't buy the DVDs. Because I can't remember the uh, the names. Well, there was one. Uh, is it Fury's Big Week or was that the comic that kind of set everything together within the the first four movies that took place? Am I thinking of the same one or am I totally Fury's Big up? Day is a comic? Yeah. All right. So here here's the list. Uh, the consultant, which was. Um, like a weird little thing. Uh, it's Sitwell and um, and Coulson talking in a cafe about bringing our day, uh, bringing Tony Stark on board. Then a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer, which was Coulson fighting in a convenience store. Then item forty-seven, where the stupid couple got a hold of the big gun from the um alien invasion. Sitwell stops him. Uh, and then Agent Carter, which was basically a pilot for the Agent Carter TV show. And then All Hail the King, which resolved somewhat some of the uh, Mandarin issues in Iron Man. So have you seen all of those? Do those, any of those excite you? I feel like the more we talk about it, you're like, wait a minute, why do I like these again? <laughs> no, I've, I've seen maybe two of those. So I'm definitely behind on my one shots. I, I did like All Hail the King. Um... I mean, it kind of confirmed to us that the Mandarin actually does exist, even though they totally butchered that in Iron Man 3. I mean, the Mandarin's probably the biggest villain to not appear yet, or outside of the Fox properties. I mean, the Mandarin's probably the biggest villain to not show up yet, right? Or am I blowing that out of proportion? Um, no, I mean, off the... Top of I mean, head. in terms of character mythos, Iron Man's had a trilogy and the real Mandarin hasn't showed up. Because they're, I think because they're terrified of the character. So, um, I, I'll, I'll Hail the King is my favorite as well. Also because there's a, um, uh, there's a cameo by, um, uh, by Hammer. Justin Hammer shows up in the All Hail the King uh, one shot for a little mi- moment. So that's kind of fun. It also proves that it's all connected with Seagate Prison, right? Uh-huh, yeah. It does take place there. <laughs> um, what I think is really interesting when you look at these is these have served the television side very well. Basically, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they tested some of the concepts of it with both Sitwell and Coulson. Like, Coulson helped develop into a character because he was in one-shots. And then the Agent Carter one is... Season one of Agent Carter is con- condensed into 16 minutes or whatever in the Agent Carter one shot. And so it strikes me that the other thing that they have going for them is they could try out a lot of concepts for TV shows. Like if we had gotten a most wanted as a one shot, then maybe it would have proved the concept better than the pilot that we never saw, you know? All right. Um, if you guys, um, if you got if they were to restart the one shots, who are you itching to see in that format? Like what characters, what stories, what do you think would be really well suited for uh coming back in kind of one of these short film kind of contexts? You already mentioned it. I want to see five minutes of Korg and Meek handing out pamphlets and trying to trying to get people to actually take their pamphlets. I I mean, there's all kinds of stuff within Guardians that I'd love to see. Um, you know, backgrounds of those characters or 
things that they do away from everybody. Um, so maybe something over in the Guardians universe. Should, I mean, should they bring them back? They're not going to introduce any new characters in them, would they? Um, I think if it's somebody they're considering for TV, they could. You know, like um, trying to think of a good, I mean, a Moon Knight one shot as like a backdoor pilot to a Moon Knight TV show. I think that could be pretty awesome. You know, sign me up. I'm on board. Let's go. <laughs> I really love Michael T. Ford was saying in the live chat that it could be the perfect spot um, to kind of allow for these crossovers that we can't ever get. So like a one shot, you could just make a set that was like a rooftop and, um, you know, have some kind of bad guy on the run or like some kind of gang or something. And Spider-Man and Daredevil both show up to fight him. And then they kind of like meet each other and shake hands and then go off in the night in opposite directions. Like that could happen in a one shot, you know, like because they're small budget and they're short fit like shooting. I think that they could do those TV film crossovers in really smart ways. I think we could also get interesting characters like, you know, Peter and Shuri go to the science fair convention or something like that could totally be a one shot that could kind of cross those characters over in a way we've never seen them before. Uh, I would like to, I want a Howard the duck one shot. I may be the only one, but like I remember there was a comic in civil war where uh, Howard the duck tries to sign up for the, the uh, superhero registration act. And they're like, you're not a superhero. You're just a talking duck. And he has this like, fight with the bureaucracy of the u.s government trying to sign up for the avengers initiative or whatever because they don't think he's a real superhero and it's like him at the unemployment office i think that could be hilarious like you could just do so many fun um you know wong and dr strange go to the deli that could totally be a one shot that people would have fun with to me there's no end to these things and they could film them like just over an hour or two on set like a day where Benedict is in town, but he doesn't have any films to see, shots to do. Like, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity here that is going totally missing. Definitely. I mean, I think some everyday life of Wakanda that we could easily, you know, just sort of get a better feel of Wakanda with with all kinds of, you know, the training regimen. I mean, a day in the life of training a rhino. Like... I want to see the rhino trainers at work. The documentary. What about um, Okoye and Wakabi's first date? Yeah. Like there is like, what's it look like to go on a date in Wakanda? I think that would be fascinating, you know? Yeah. Basically every fan fiction idea that's out there. We'd like to see it in one shots. Like Fitz and Simmons becoming reads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, potentially. We'll go to the mailbag. Uh, not a whole lot in the mailbag this week. Um, we did have some Twitter talk with our good friend Michael T. Ford the Third, and he's been in the live chat as well. Uh, he's talking. He's saying um, that um, Simon Kinberg is generally thought better of in Star Wars world than Marvel world, and I think that's probably true. Um, he was also in the live chat. Uh, his one-shot ideas uh, 
awesome facial hair bros, the Marvel one shot. I think that would be fun. Uh, a mockingbird one shot. He was also talking about how the yo-yo mini series kind of served like a one shot. Um, that's something that they did over on, um, the TV size TV side. Excuse me. Uh, he was also saying with into the spider verse that he thinks that we're getting all of the spiders, that they're going to go all out to give us all the Spider-Man characters, uh, that could be there. So, um, Oh, he also would like to see the Defenders dinner party as a one-shot, given how fun that scene was in the Chinese restaurant. I'm all there for that as well. Uh, he also asked an interesting question, if we're going to cover much animation um, on the show. So we talked a little bit about the the Miles Morales movie. I think we're going to talk about that because it's a major theatrical release. Um, I think the tricky thing is a lot of that is kid shows that are like so prolific like, there's no way I'm watching 25 episodes of Guardians of the Galaxy on Disney XD. I don't think there's any way I could keep up with all of that. But I am kind of interested in some of the animation stuff coming up. And so, do you guys have any interest in, in animation generally? Or do you feel like that's a... Uh, is it kid stuff for you? <laughs> if it's done right. I mean, especially, I mean, look at Lucas. They, they've tied in how many? Three animated series Just now? Two. Two. But they actually reference those in the movies, right? I mean, yes. there was a big kind of tie-in with Solo. So, um, yeah. I'm not sure if that would ever happen. We'd probably won't see that. But one could hope. I mean, I just think it's a whole lot of stuff to keep up with. Um, and a whole lot, you know, when you add in all of the animation and everything... I think as a site in general, it would be awesome if we know people enthused about animation. Um, I mean, I'm excited about that Spider-Verse movie and that, but I mean, for me, we're, I'm struggling to keep up with just the Marvel television shows as it is without throwing in the, the animated shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's always the challenge. I mean, I'm a... I'm already like, oh, this summer I've got to fit in the rest of those gifted episodes I haven't oh seen gosh, so I can talk yeah. about it intelligibly in the fall. So, um, But yeah, I, I was saying earlier on Twitter this week, uh, they are doing a new Secret Warriors show that is kind of like, it. it's just a way to try to get uh, preteen girls to watch Marvel. But it's going to be kind of interesting. It's going to have Quake and Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl and America and uh, I think Inferno and Lockjaw are going to be on the show. So uh, they're going to do an animated movie that's going to launch first. And I was saying maybe if it's slow, we'll maybe we'll watch that movie or I'll get you guys to do it. I'm going to watch it with my kids anyway. And we can talk about animation and kind of make that a main topic as well. Cause I think it's, it's something we've t uh, talked about a little bit, but not real directly. So, all right. Uh, I think that is the show for this week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us lots of ways. Please send us a message on Twitter at Marvel news desk. If you'd like to interact with us, uh, there's also, um, you can communicate with us with our posts at Marvel news desk.com each week. 
Uh, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to give us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. That gets you access to a special MCU film ranking episode that is only available to our Patreon subscribers, as well as access to some of our videos ahead of time. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com or slash Marvel News Desk, or subscribe to the YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. It helps others see the show if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes. Most important thing, though, is just listen each week and tell your friends about it. We want to thank uh, Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thank you to Alvin for the great theme music we've got. He is on social media as at the Skull School across a lot of different platforms. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. Go check out AP Marvel. Um, and we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye.